Welcome to another edition of the Sunday Morning Grind podcast. I'm Greg Finley. He's Josh Taylor. This is episode 56. I can't believe that I'm saying that, Josh. 56 episodes where we've numbered them, but we've probably had a lot more than that. We're probably up to like 70. It's like 70 officially. The unofficial 56 episode, I guess you can call it. And we're naming it after uh, another linebacker as we continue our linebacker theme when we hit the 50s. Go with Lamar Woodley this week. Got to go with Lamar Woodley, the man who wrapped up Super Bowl 43. Um, crazy story about Super Bowl 43 and Lamar Woodley. If you remember, um, the Steelers actually trailed after Kurt Warner threw a touchdown pass to Larry Fitzgerald in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Clark told the story of, you know, he said they that defense got back to the sideline and they're like, we, we just blew this. We're, we're not a great defense anymore because that defense was so good that year. They were the number one defense in points and yards, if I'm not mistaken. And when uh, Mike Tomlin was a guest on the Pivot podcast with Ryan Clark, Fred Taylor, and Channing Crowder, you know, mm-hmm. he talked to Ryan Clark about that. He said, look, if, if the offense scored 17 points, we knew we were winning the game. Could you imagine only scoring 17 points because your defense is like locking teams down? Like, that's what's crazy. And he said they gave up that touchdown. They were like, we're, we're not a great defense anymore. Like, we're not a great defense. So Mike Tomlin says, I was looking for I was looking for anybody on the sideline that wasn't in shock to tell him, like, you got to go make a play. And the guy he found was Lamar Woodley. And he said, I picked Lamar Woodley because he's like, Lamar Woodley was too young and stupid to understand the magnitude of what was going on. Too he young he, and stupid? <laughs> he said he was too young and too dumb to realize how big this was. <laughs> So he goes, Lamar Woodley says, I'm going to need you. He's like, we're going to need you to make a play. And Woodley goes and sacks Kurt Warner and wraps the game up. <laughs> but that's why he went to Lamar Woodley. He said, everybody else was like shell-shocked. Like all the veterans, all the older guys were shell-shocked. Because Lamar Woodley was one of the younger dudes on, on the, the defense at that point. Him and Lawrence Timmons were just pups by that. He said, I went to Mar- Lamar Woodley. He said, you, you, have to be, you have to be willing to make a play. And Woodley's like, all right, coach, I got you. <laughs> Goes and sacks Kurt Warner and wraps the game up after Ben Roethlisberger threw a winning touchdown pass to San Antonio Holmes. And, they, and the Cardinals are in the field again. So the Cardinals still had a shot to try to come back, and Lamar Woodley sacked Kurt Warner. Pretty much that's what ended it. But, yeah, that's that's the crazy Lamar Woodley story from Super Bowl 43. You know, thinking about last week with episode 55, the episode should have been called What Happened to Peasy? <laughs> <laughs> Why you let Peasy go? Come on, come on, come on. Go on, you you know you know why I let Peasy go. What happened, Peasy? Why I let Peasy go? What happened? What happened with Peasy and Big Ben? <laughs> we gotta find that clip. We gotta find that clip of Shannon Sharper, James Harrison. Why I let Peasy go? You know I, why I let Peasy go. I'm pretty sure I had that as a drop on the Sunday morning grind on the radio. <laughs> you totally did. You had that as a drop on the radio. You also had that is a problem. That is a problem. That is a problem. Can uh, we can we get into what happened with him and Skip this week? <laughs> we can because. I mean that that was whew. Skip Skip kind of chose violence and didn't realize what he was getting into with a guy like Shannon Sharp when he brought yeah, Skip, up what he brought up. Yeah, he went he went a little bit too far with that. And this it wasn't the fact that he did that. Like it's one thing when you do it in jest. Like the guys on the NBA on TNT, you know they're kidding around. Uh, well, maybe maybe not Shaq and Charles Barkley. The rest <laughs> of them are kidding around. Like Kenny Kenny Smith is kidding. Ernie's kidding. When Shaq and Chuck go back and forth, you don't always know. Right. <laughs> You're really not sure. Because <laughs> sometimes Chuck will go a little bit too far, and Shaq gets like a little serious, and he gets even more quiet, which is crazy, because Shaq already talks like this, and his voice is really that high. <laughs> and then Chuck starts messing with him, and goes, what are you talking about? What are you talking about, Chuck? 
And my voice is still quiet, but it's just a little bit higher. But that's how you know I'm serious. Like, it's funny. It's ridiculous. But that was my Shaq impression. It's terrible. That was good. No, that was good. <laughs> no, but, like, you you know, you know those guys are playing around. You know there's, you know it's like, because they've all known each other for years. Right. So you know it's all mostly, mostly it's in good taste. Skip, I think, was really trying to push the envelope, and I think he went a little bit too far. And Shannon, Shannon was keen enough to remind him in a not so threatening way. Told him in, in no uncertain terms. I mean, it was just crazy. Like you don't go yeah. after you don't go after the guy that you work with every day by going after him personally and his right. like. Oh, you retired at thirty-five, and Brady's still play- like, come on, man, you don't do that. Like, no. Here's the thing: Shannon Sharp retired at 35. He could have kept playing. Right. Shannon Sharp is in such great shape now. He could probably, probably come back in and pe- catch 30 passes. He could probably catch 30 passes in, in a season as a backup tight end. Like, that's how great in shape Shannon Sharp still is. I mean, like we, we act like he just turned like 50 and just fell off. No, Shannon Sharp was. He was physically still able to go. Like let's let's not let's not look at ourselves crazy here. That man took ridiculous good care of himself. And the crazy part about it is, I'm pretty sure he's the younger brother. Sterling Sharp is the older brother. Sterling Sharp had he retired because he had neck issues, and like you see them now, and it almost looks like it, it looks like Sterling is Shannon's dad. That's like the difference with how they look. Yeah. I mean, Sterling's already older. But like he hasn't kept himself together the way Shannon has. Right. Sterling looks like Shannon's dad now. That's how that's how different they look. Because Shannon Sharp has preserved himself so so well. So you can make the case like, oh, you retired when you were thirty five. Like, yeah, but he was a Hall of Famer when he was thirty five and one of the best at his position all time. So let's stop acting like he just quit because no one wanted him. And <laughs> he retired at the top at the top of the ladder. And there are five tight ends that hit. 10,000 receiving yards as Kelsey just joined that club and Shannon Sharp is one of them. Like he's one of them. He's not like he said to skip. He ain't no bum. Just because he retired at 35 doesn't mean that he's not good. That man, that man has, he's like you said, one of the five tight ends has 10,000 receiving yards. He's got three Super Bowl rings. He was a hall of famer when he, he was a hall of famer before he went to Baltimore. Oh, yeah. Then he, he played just with, he played with John Elway. Yeah, and like he won two Super Bowls with John Elway. Then he went to Baltimore, won another one in Baltimore. Like with that's Dilfer. Yeah, let, let's let's not forget that. Like that that dude, that dude's career was was pretty pretty ridiculous. So right. I, I thought that was, I thought Skip was trying to like pursue the debate a little bit harder. I think he just went too far. My thing is, it's like you don't have to go that personal when you're defending Tom Brady. Exactly. I can see if you're trying to defend like Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield or maybe even Cooper Rush, <laughs> but you resorted to that to defend the GOAT? <laughs> I mean, like, didn't his resume speak for itself? And did I miss something? I don't know. No, I thought that no. was I thought that was excessive. Uh I mean Tom Brady, I think I said, I've said this before multiple times, Josh. I said, when people would be like, oh, Brady's going to retire after this year. I'm like, why? He just lit the league on fire again. Yeah. Year after year after year. They're like, oh, Brady's got to hang it up now because, you know, he won another Super Bowl. I said, the year Brady hangs it up is the year that football isn't fun anymore because he's playing so poorly. And I think we're finally to that point this season where 
unless Tampa Bay can make a playoff run, which I don't think they have in them, Tom Brady's done after this year, don't you think? And they're they're not they're not the team that won the Super Bowl two years ago. They don't even look like the same team. They don't have a lot of the same personnel. But here's what we're talking about: Tampa still leads their division. <laughs> they still got a one game lead over Carolina and Atlanta, and a two game lead over the Saints, who are four and nine. So that division is worse than the NFC East was a couple of years ago. <laughs> it's awful. Like it's it's. Uh, you could you could have a contest like who's worse, the NFC South or the AFC South, and there's no winner. <laughs> Both Tennessee divisions are terrible, default, I guess. But not Tennessee really. seven and six, Tampa six and seven. The remaining teams five and eight, four and eight, four eight and one. If you're Indy and one eleven and one in Houston, <laughs> maybe the AFC South is worse by default, but they have one team with a winning record, and the South has the NFC South has none. So. Oh. So I, uh, I don't know. Like, this is why I keep telling people, like, oh, the Steelers should lose more games and, and get a higher draft pick. I'm like, as long as the AFC South and NFC South are still a thing, Steelers aren't picking above 10. Right. Because those eight teams alone are going to see to it personally that the Steelers don't pick above 10. And probably the rest of the NFC North, that's not Minnesota. Those three divisions will see to it personally that the Steelers don't pick above 10. Like, NFC West out there, too, with the Rams. And the, NFC the AFC- West is... AFC West with the Broncos. I mean, there's a lot of bad teams this year. Yeah, like, and Vegas is five and eight, and Chargers are seven and six. It just, it's crazy because people, (laughs) after the Atlanta game, everybody's like, oh, congratulations, you beat a bad team. I'm like, how do you think you put together a playoff resume in this league? Right. (laughs) Like, there's 32 teams in the league. There's probably 12 teams that are decent to good to championship contenders every year. There's 12. And out of that group of 12, you're taking out the three that are decent. You're taking out three that are good. You're taking, that leaves you with six. You take three more that you say, oh, this team could make a run if a few things break right. And then there's probably three, maybe four at the most. You're like, okay, these teams go to the Super Bowl. The other 20, either average or worse. <laughs> That's it. Well, So Tom- we can sit here and say, oh, you beat a bad team. Yeah, like half the league is bad, folks. Half the league is 500 or worse. That's just that's the NFL every year. Tom Brady came survive. out and said that the, I've seen so much bad football this year. Your his team is the one doing most of the damage. In fairness, <laughs> when he made that remark, they were actually still they still had a winning record at the yeah. time. Then they started right. losing football games. Right. Did the Steelers break the Bucks? Is that a fair question? Is that I a thing? I think uh if I Did go the back and break look, them? if I go back and look at this real quick, let's see. Because when the Steelers played Tampa Bay at that time, they were three and two at that time. Mm-hmm. And then they lost three in a row. I think I think the Steelers broke the books. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe the Panthers, because they lost 21 to three the week after in Carolina. <laughs> maybe, That's the, right. maybe the Panthers broke them. Maybe the Steelers just softened them up. Speaking of the Panthers, remember when the Steelers broke the Panthers? Yes, <laughs> Cam, I was going to be Cam the next Newton, thing. The, Cam Newton, the boys, came to Pittsburgh on Thursday night football oh, yeah. undefeated, and the Steelers just broke them, and they were terrible the rest of the season. I think the Steelers broke Cam in that game. Yeah. I think they broke Cam Newton. Like He wasn't the same the rest of that season, and he wasn't the same the rest of his career. I was going to say it was his last year in Carolina, wasn't it? Then he went to New England. his last year or his next to last year. Cam Newton was never the same after that game. That, that's, he wasn't. 
that's another one of those like if if I can make like if I can make a case for something right next to Eli Manning being the Loki variant. Did the Steelers break Cam Newton in 2019? Was that 2019 or 2020? 2019. 2019. Did the Steelers break Cam Newton in 2019? It's a question that should be asked because he was never the same after that. Like I'm, I'm sticking by that. Like you can look at his game logs. You can look at how his teams fared. He was never the same after that game against the Steelers. Actually, I, I'll, I'll I hang think it was 2018. That would make a lot more sense because I want to say because yeah because the Steelers had been in 2018 November 8th 2018 52 to 21 <laughs> yeah because because Ben lit the Ben lit the Panthers defense up that day five touchdowns for Ben yeah he he tore them up that night it was a Thursday night game yeah in Pittsburgh and McCaffrey opened yeah. up the drive with a touchdown and was like oh boy here we go like seven nothing yep. Carolina. And then Ben came right back with a 75-yard touchdown to Juju on one play. <laughs> I remember that game. I was actually – I was at Acrisure Stadium that night. Unless I was covering that game. Oh, yeah? I was either – actually, no, that's not true. I didn't cover it. I was um, I was field producing for pregame. We did um, we did sports live on the field that night. Mm. You had Bob Pompey Rich Walsh live on the field, and I field produced that night. That's what we did because I was in the press box for that game. But I remember gotcha. watching this game going, man, they are they are destroying Cam. I mean, eh, the next week they lost to Detroit. He went 25 for 37, had three touchdowns and three picks. But, yeah, they didn't win a game the rest of that season until the end of the season. He didn't play the last two games of the year. So he lost his next five starts after that game. Against the Steelers, then sacked him five times in that game. <laughs> then 2019, I want to say he got hurt with the second game of the season. They lost. They lost to the Rams. They lost to Tampa 2019. He was inactive the next six games, and he was on injured reserve the rest of that season. And the year after that, he was in New England. So after that game against the Steelers, he never won another start for the Panthers. <laughs> and then he went to New England. Then it's very proven that theory that the Steelers broke Cam Newton. <laughs> and then he went, then he goes back to Carolina. Like the only game he played in that day one, he went literally three of four for eight yards and a touchdown. <laughs> and then after that, I think he, oh, he also rushed for a touchdown too. And then they lost seven games in a row after that. Dude. <laughs> so he, so he never won a start for the Panthers, even after he went back to Carolina. After he lost that game to the Steelers, so they were they were six and two at that time. I said they were undefeated. They were six and they two. Six and two. The Steelers were five yeah. two and one. They got yep. the win, and I think Cam Newton saw uh, Cam Hayward, TJ, and Bud in his dreams because they mm -hmm. had four of the five sacks, and they had won three games in a row before that. They'd beaten Philly. They beat Philly by two touchdowns. They beat Tampa by two touchdowns. Both of those ones were at home. They go to Pittsburgh. They lose by 31. <laughs> Cam gets his butt kicked all up and up and down Acrisure Stadium and never wins another start for Carolina. Fun times. Fun times. <laughs> You're welcome. And then, <laughs> then for New England, he won one, two, three, four, five, six. Six starts as a Patriot, but never won a start again after for Carolina, even after he we went back three years later. Hmm. Yeah, the Steelers broke Cam very, very Steelers, much. So. Steelers broke Cam Newton.
All right, well, we've talked for 15 minutes. I guess we should talk about the, the current Steelers now. Yeah, let's I, get to the current team. That I'm, was trying, a fun little... I'm trying to avoid it as much as I can. That was a fun little exercise. That might be like the theme of the episode. Did the Steelers break Cam Newton in 2018? That was like yeah. a, that was a mini is this a thing. It was. It was yeah. a mini is this a thing. And, Although and I think Tom we Brady actually too. discussed it in, in, in real time, though. Like when it happened, I think we talked about it that week after on the show. Oh, on we the radio show, I think we Sunday. talked about if it was a thing. Yeah, oh, we yeah. talked about the following Sunday if it was a thing. And, and all season long, <laughs> we yes. just kept saying the Steelers broke Cam. The Steelers broke Cam. Were we wrong? No, we weren't wrong. Four years removed, I think we were right, um, as we are often, yeah. except for in Hachi. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Deontay Johnson spoke out this week and says that he would like to see Mason Rudolph start on Sunday. Um, here's the thing, Josh. I understand that they're frustrated because Trubisky threw three interceptions in situations where they should have won that game on Sunday against the Ravens. If he doesn't yes. throw, if he doesn't throw one of those interceptions, they get at least a field goal. I would like to, I would like to think the deep, the deep ball that he threw to Deontay in double coverage, not a good throw. The two that he no. threw the linebackers, they were in field goal range, no problem. They would have easily gotten three, and they could have won the game seventeen sixteen or twenty to sixteen. And I get it, you know. Things can change by way of the of the you know they kick a field goal they kick the ball off the Ravens return it I know things can change but right you know it's frustrating that Trubisky threw the three interceptions but are we just forgetting about the past of how much people hated Mason Rudolph whenever he used to get spot starts when Ben would be out uh, remember the Lions game when they tied and everybody yep. in the media pretty much said I'm done seeing this guy but yep. now all of a sudden with Kenny Pickett out with a concussion and Trubisky, you know, he threw the three interceptions against the Ravens. Now we want Mason Rudolph to be the quarterback all of a sudden, including yes, the players. People, yes, people are forgetting about Mason. They're forgetting how much they hated Mason Rudolph. That's exactly what's happening. I asked this question on my radio show this week. When did y'all start caring about Mason Rudolph again? When did when did he become such a lovable figure? It, it, especially especially when you have some of our own colleagues that are on the air now. And look, oh. But, should, should, Mason, should Mason Rudolph get a get a shot? Is, is he being mistreated by Mike Tomlin? Now you care about how Mason Rudolph's being treated by Mike Tomlin? You didn't care when Mitch Trubisky got signed in free agency how Mitch, by how Mason Rudolph was being treated by Mike Tomlin. You didn't care when Kenny Pickett was drafted with the 20th overall pick how Mike Tomlin was treating Mason Rudolph. Hell, half the people there celebrated when it happened that they drafted Kenny Pickett instead of Mason Rudolph. You didn't seem to care about Mason Rudolph when he was getting snaps in minicamp and training camp, and people were upset about, well, why isn't Kenny Pickett getting those snaps? You didn't care about Mason Rudolph then. There were people that were saying he didn't belong in the roster during minicamp. Minicamp, Greg, that was what, May, June? Mm -hmm. Right. June 1st, people were complaining about Mason Rudolph getting snaps on June 1st, and now all of a sudden, in the middle of December, six months later, oh, man, this – should, should this be the opportunity for Mason Rudolph? What, did he get you a Christmas card? Is that why you changed your mind? Please, <laughs> please spare me your fake sentiment and your, your fake care and your fake concern for Mason Rudolph. Stop. I remember what you said. I've read your tweets. I can find the receipts. I can go back and listen to the old shows that are podcasted on our, our, our station's uh our station's webpage. I can find all the receipts about you complaining about Mason Rudolph. You don't care about him. Stop that crap. Stop. 
Give that up. You, we know you don't care about him. It ain't about Mason Rudolph when you ask, oh, is, is Mason Rudolph, should he get an opportunity? It ain't about him. It was never about him. It's about making the guy who made him the third quarterback look worse. That's the whole gag. The whole gag is any thread they can pull at that helps the sweater of Mike Tomlin's competency unravel, they're going to pull at every single thread they can. That's what they want to do. That is the plan. That is the goal. That is the entire motive behind all of this stupid crap that they tend to spout off every other week. You ever notice that some people change their narrative literally every week? Yes. Because it's always pointing to the same end game. You have people that are asking midseason, oh, well, should the Steelers keep winning games or should they worry about their draft status? Now they're at five and eight and they're going, I don't know. This Mike Tomlin thing seems stale. Where were you a month ago? What? What are we talking about? This this is insane. I, I, I'm really... I'm really over people who keep trying to change their story as if certain things on this team really concern them. They don't. You keep trying to tip the scales the best way you possibly can just so you can get one outcome, which by the way, you're probably not going to get. They are trying to build the strongest case possible to make it seem like Mike Tomlin should not be here next year. Guess what? He will be. And he'll probably be here the year after that. And you know what? He's got two years left on his extension, right, Greg? You know what happens around the time he's got two years left on his contract and they he go into the training extended camp? again? You know he gets extended again. <laughs> and he's going to get another one. They're going to give him a chance to rebuild this team with his own quarterback, his own coordinators, and his own defense. They're going to give him the opportunity because when he had everything else before and he was successful before, oh, someone else's quarterback and it was someone else's coordinators and someone's defense. Okay, fine. Give him a chance to do it with his own. Give him a chance to completely rebuild a team with his own guys. Oh, you don't want to do that anymore? Gee, I wonder why. It's going to happen, people. It's going to happen. And when it does, I am paying attention to every single person that tweets angrily about it. I'm paying attention to every single person that goes on a talk show, whether it's on my station or another one, and gets mad about it. I'm listening to every single clip on a radio show where people cry in their Wheaties about how Mike Tomlin got extended, or I might even sit through their old their, their own you know righteous indignation and rage about it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take snippets of all of them. I'm going to take all those clips, and I'm going to play them on one giant laugh track. I'm going to sit there and giggle my hide off at all of them because they really thought their stupid little plan was going to work. It's not. Get ready for it now. Everybody out there listening to this podcast, how many times have I told you stuff that was going to happen before and I've been right? Prepare yourselves now. Get ready now. Jump in the nightmare while the water is warm. If you think this is going to piss you off, Start finding a punching bag to beat up now because the anger will come because he's not going anywhere. Prepare yourselves now. I'm this done. is the Sunday Morning Grind podcast brought to you by Ethos Life, by the way. Forgot to forgot to mention the plug at the beginning. Good part to drop it a drop it a sponsor read. I like it. Um, Josh, why why does why now does Deontay bring this up? Why now? Well, maybe he doesn't like the other guy. Is it safe to say that? I mean, they got into a, a fight in the middle of the Jets game, right? Mm-hmm. Reportedly, that's why Mitch Trubisky was benched in favor of Kenny Pickett. We thought it was a Kenny Pickett-related decision. No, apparently he got in a fight with Deontay Johnson because Deontay Johnson wanted the ball, and he wasn't throwing it to him. I, mean, I should correct myself. Deontay Johnson wanted the ball, and Mitch Trubisky wasn't throwing it to him. 
outside of the times when Deontay Johnson was playing volleyball with the Jets secondary. <laughs> because that happened in that game. Mm-hmm. Worth noting. Also, Deontay Johnson had a chance to catch a touchdown pass and for some odd reason couldn't get both feet down. And I, I keep asking this question. I, I've, I haven't been the only one that's asked it, to be fair. There are other people that have asked this question. If Deontay Johnson catches that pass in the second quarter, that becomes a touchdown pass. Does Mitch Trubisky ever get benched? And my answer is no, because not only does that, it does if he catches that touchdown pass, Mike Tomlin never uses that challenge. So that touchdown counts. And the Steelers have the lead going into the half. You know what else happens? Mika Fitzpatrick has an interception on the sideline against the Jets that the Steelers now can actually challenge when it was ruled incomplete. The Steelers probably challenge that incom- they probably challenge that incomplete pass call, and they probably get it overturned. And the Steelers defense probably gets another turnover that they had, and they had two in that half already. And one of the ones in the second half belonged to Mika Fitzpatrick. So that that whole trajectory changes. Like, you can make a case that Deontay Johnson not getting his feet down to catch that touchdown pass was a nexus event for that game. I can honestly make that assertion. So why he's doing it now? Maybe he don't want to have to catch passes from Mitch Trubisky. I don't know why. Mitch Trubisky tried to throw him the ball deep in the Baltimore game and it got intercepted, and that was a throw that shouldn't have happened. Right. Like, he tried to get you the ball. You got 11 targets in Atlanta and caught five of them. You Now you want to say in who plays quarterback? And you see the ball more than anybody, and the other guy's better than you, but he only gets three targets. <laughs> and that guy has a legit beef as to why he should see the ball more because you can't be trusted with it. But now, now, I, I sound like Chris Penn and Reservoir Dogs. Now you're just going to decide out of the freaking blue that you want to pick which quarterback you want to back. Where was that during training camp? Why right. weren't you back in Mason Rudolph in July and August? Where was that? Where was that during the preseason? Where were you then? Where were you? Why weren't you campaigning? If you love this guy so much and you think he deserves a shot, why weren't you campaigning for him four or five months ago? Right. That's what I want to know. It comes back to my original question. When did people start caring about Mason Rudolph all of a sudden? When did that become a thing? That might be the episode title. (laughs) Well, when did people start caring about Mason Rudolph? Yes, because people are like, trying to feel sorry for the guy he comes out and speaks to reporters and says they go do you feel like you've had a fair chance this year he says i feel like i haven't even been on the team why should we care all of a sudden about how he feels he's not he's not good (laughs) like there's only a small small group of people that i have seen that i have bore witness to that have actually put it on record that mason rudolph has handled the situation as professional and it's been a handful of beat writers and our colleague, Melinda Roeder, at 1020 a.m. Yeah, she's she doesn't have a crush on him. But she's also claimed the entire time that Mason Rudolph hasn't gotten a fair shake. But that's literally the small handful of people that have actually consistently and at some point in the past advocated for Mason Rudolph. Mm-hmm. I don't remember many guys in that locker room doing that. No. Especially Deontay Johnson. I, I, it's just, what are we... I'm going to keep coming back to this. Like, when did this become a thing? I, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that this has just become it, – it's the thing to talk about this week. We love to find different points to talk about each week. Where, where are we going? We won't gripe about this week. Oh, let's 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 have sympathy for Mason Rudolph this week. Who's it going to be next week? Arthur Mollett's going to be the guy next week that you have sympathy for because he's not starting at corner. Like, what are we doing here? Just – 
don't know. And, and, and how many more times is George Pickens going to have to prove himself to be like, all right, time to take a, take a shot at him. I mean, we're taking deep shots to Deontay and double coverage in the end zone, but we can't take a shot to Pickens? And what have I been telling you when people keep saying, oh, we need to take shots down the field? And I tell you the same thing. Only take them when the right situation presents itself. In the two times that Mitch Trubisky went down the field to George Pickens, what happened in both of those situations? He caught the ball. So coverage, one-on-one coverage on the outside with a single high safety, which means the other safety was down in the box and they were playing the run. If you want George Pickens one-on-one, fine. Take the deep shot if you got him one-on-one with a single high safety. That's fine. I got no beef with that. Mm-hmm. But you got two high safeties and they're like, oh, you got to go downfield. You don't go down the field with two high safeties. Because you know what two high safeties can easily become? It could become two high safeties in a deep corner or two high safeties in two deep corners in a cover four. You don't know what the defense looks like. And here's the thing. If you go deep down either sideline, that means you got a safety on either side that can go jump right over there and make a double coverage. And that's what you don't want. You don't throw into double coverage. That is a staple on any level of football. People saying we need to take more deep shots. I'm like, they were just in cover three in that last snap. Why would you go deep on the cover three? What are we doing here? But to 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 amplify the larger point, I would agree that there are times you need to get George Pickens more involved in this offense. But my thing is, if you know this guy is primarily known as a deep route guy, because let's be honest, it wasn't like he came out with the most advanced route tree in the world. If you know his bread and butter is sending him deep in trying to hope for one-on-one coverage, then the best thing you can do is disguise things for him. Get him off the line of scrimmage, get him in motion, and then be able to let him run a route that maybe turns into an intermediate or deep route down the field. You got to find ways to move him around and make the presence of George Pickens a lot less to, a lot, a lot harder to prepare for. If you want to make that case for me, fine. But don't just sit there saying, oh, you got to throw to George Pickens more. No, I'm convinced now, and you and I have been talking about this for weeks. I'm convinced now when, when defenses meet during the week that their defensive coordinator goes, that 14 kid, that rookie, don't let him beat you. Don't get don't let him get by you deep, and don't let him beat you. If you want to let 18 catch all the passes underneath, he can, fine. He's not going to get half of the targets anyway. <laughs> That's what I would do. That's what I'm doing. If I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm not letting George Pickens beat me. If you want to try to get me death by a thousand cuts with Deontay Johnson underneath or Pat Fryermuth over the middle, via con Dios, if that's how you feel. Get it how you live. But I'm not letting George Pickens beat me deep because I know the moment that happens, it's over for me. And more importantly, you also have to stop the run for the Steelers because if you don't stop the run, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to bring a safety down into the box. And guess what that means? That means George Pickens is the opportunity to beat you deep now, one-on-one with the single high safety. That's what you look for. But uh, you, you can't explain this to people who don't actually get football. And I, I, you, You've heard me say this for a long time. There are a lot of people that watch football in this city that don't really like football. They just watch it because it's what they're used to doing. Because it's what the families did. It's what the parents did. It's what the grandparents did. It's what they did for holidays. It's what they did on Sundays. And Sunday dinner after they watched the Steelers, it was just what they were used to. And that's just what they grew up with. And now they just, since they've seen, each generation has seen some level of success, they just expect it now. They just expect it because, well, that's what we always watched. We watched teams win growing up. And now it's not happening and they don't know what to do with themselves. 
as opposed to understanding the fact that, hey, football is a game where the other team tries too. And you're not going to win all the time. You're not going to win a championship every year. But at the same time, this is an organization that has played in a Super Bowl in four of the previous five decades. And like two other organizations can make that claim. But it's still not enough to some folks because they're used to seeing teams win. You're not rooting for the Steelers. You're rooting for a team that you want to see win. You're not rooting. You're not watching football because you like football. You like watching your team win. That is not the same thing. And until people learn the difference, the beatings will not stop until morale improves. So if they can double coverage pickings like you we talk about when he goes deep, why not change the route and have him do a comeback route? Have him do a slant, have him try something different. I would like to see them do more intermediate stuff with him. I would like to see that. I'd like to see more things where you see him coming across the middle of the field because I think he has that kind of talent where he can make plays even in intermediate routes. And I think that's what's more important. But I also think at the same time, the reason why they won't do that is because if they do that, then they got to find something else to do with Deontay Johnson. That's what makes this challenge because now you got to find something different to do with Deontay Johnson. You're going to find something different to do with Pat Fryermuth. And now you pretty much have to redesign your entire offense. So you either have to move him to another position. You can't move him to Deontay Johnson's position because what position is he going to play now? You're not going to move him to the slot because that experiment already failed with Chase Claypool. So you got to keep him where he is. So you either move him to another position or you revamp your entire offense and you can't revamp your entire offense around two receivers when the guy on the other side can't be trusted to catch the ball half the time. It just, it makes it too complicated. The only other thing you can hope for is that you get your run game going and you start working the middle of the field with Pat Fryermuth like they did quite a bit in Atlanta and also with Connor Hayward. And then you hope for opportunities on the outside because of what you're doing in the middle of the field and in the run game. That's your best hope at the moment, because right now, even if you had one a guy on the other side, that could be as much enough of a threat to force teams to be more aggressive with him and then maybe open up opportunities for the other guy. The other guy, you don't have that either. All of the elements this team needs to help George Pickens become successful and give him more opportunities down the field, they haven't been consistent. Run game hasn't been consistent. Offensive line hasn't been consistent giving the quarterback time. Quarterbacks haven't been consistent reading the right situations. And in Mr. Trubisky's case, not negotiating safeties well enough with his eyes to try to find the open guy downfield. And the other guys he's, he's, he's running routes with haven't been reliable. All of those things add up. And we're sitting there going, oh, we got to get George Pickens involved. How about the rest of the team doing their jobs better? And that's not just for getting Pickens involved. That's for the entire offense. The entire offense would get better if certain guys did their jobs better. Maybe your quarterback doesn't have two concussions if the same guy doesn't let a linebacker get loose. Yeah. Just a thought. Like yeah. small things to co- to contemplate here. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about Steelers, Panthers, and then we will go through NFL Hot Sheet. This is episode 56 of the Sunday Morning Grind podcast brought to you by Ethos Life. And now, word from our sponsor. The Sunday Morning Grind podcast is presented by Ethos Life. Get up to $2 million in life insurance the easy way with Ethos. Skip the medical exam and weeks of waiting. With just a few health and lifestyle questions, Ethos approves up to 95% of applicants in about 10 minutes with coverage from trusted carriers. Tailor your policy to fit your budget and get help from licensed agents whenever you need it. 
Ethos provides instant coverage for more families than any other provider and a top-rated experience customers love. In the time it takes to drink your morning coffee, you can get peace of mind for your family today with Ethos. Welcome back, episode 56, Sunday Morning Grimes. Steelers got a game with a team that's playing for first place in their awful division, which is just ridiculous. Ow. This game actually Ow. means something to a team, but it's not the Steelers. It means something to the Panthers at 5-8. and eight. A team that it got rid of something. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> it meant something when they faced the, the Falcons, and the Falcons had a losing record when they faced them. Or did they, they, might, did they have a winning record when they faced the Steelers, or did they have a losing record too? Atlanta but they were trying was, to stay within first place. Atlanta was five and seven. Yeah, they when they or faced Atlanta and, and the Falcons were five and six. They were trying to they were still trying to fight for a spot for the division lead. This, no, this they division. had a, <laughs> they had a bye week, so they are they were five and seven. They made, went to five and eight. They were off last week. This team is, I mean, this division, man, it's just it's terrible. So, like, bad. it's so bad. Like Tom Brady should be looking at his team right now. Like, are we really struggling this hard to win this division? Like, yep. what is wrong with us? <laughs> he many. has to be frustrated. Has to be. And it's and it's on him. He can't make throws. He's had Mike Evans open, and he has missed him completely. And they can't run the ball effectively, and he can't no. throw the ball effectively. And their defense He's, is getting torched by the 49ers left and right. I mean, that was just hard to watch last the, week. The Steelers shut Leonard Fournette down mm-hmm. at Acrisure Stadium. And the Steelers never shut down Leonard Fournette. Ever. They never bottle that guy up. Like, I, it just, it's one of those things that's just, it's mind blowing to think that this team at least was trying to change the trajectory of its season by winning that game against Tampa. And right. Tampa's trajectory of its season suddenly hit a like serious brick wall and went downward. It just, it, none of it makes sense to me. I mean, they're going to lose to the Bengals this week. There's no way they're beating Cincinnati. No, they're not beating Cincinnati. So the Bengals, will, the Bengals would go to ten and four, and the Bucks would go to six and eight. And if the Steelers were to beat Carolina, the a six and eight team is in first place, or the five and nine team right behind. I mean, this it is just, just this is bad. <laughs> it is, and it, here's the crazy part: if the Steelers played in that division, they'd be tied with Carolina for second place. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it worse. That's what makes it even worse. <laughs> it's it's absolutely insane and you like you look at this team on paper and you're going wait a minute this is a team that cut baker mayfield traded christian mccaffrey and they sent PJ they Walker sent sam Dar- five games they sent sam darnold to the wolves and now all of a sudden he's two and zero as a starter <laughs> hey carolina maybe that was the thing you should have done all along <laughs> I mean, does Sam Darnold ever really get a clear shot in Carolina? Is that fair to ask the question? Did no, he ever he really get a chance there? No. Oh, yeah, by the way, we forgot another thing, Greg. They fired their coach this season. That's right. They did. Panthers <laughs> fired Matt Rule, who, by the way, has already found himself another job. He's Now he's coaching Nebraska. So there's that. Yeah. Not a bad, <laughs> Every, not a bad uh, job to get. Everybody Carolina's gotten rid of is on to bigger and better things. Baker Mayfield's <laughs> playing for the Rams. Christian McCaffrey's in San Francisco living his best life, and Matt Rule has a new gig already in Nebraska. He he had a new gig before Thanksgiving. Like is Robbie and Robbie Anderson's playing for uh, the Cardinals, isn't he? Robbie Anderson is, I believe, is in Arizona. Like everybody that the 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 Panthers shipped off 
is somehow in a better spot. Although you could argue Arizona, I mean, yeah, at least at least better. it's a at least it's a oh. better climate, I guess. But <laughs> I mean, it's not a better team. They're both crappy at the bottom of the right. barrel in the NFC and an, and an already bad <laughs> NFC. It you take the NFC East out of the NFC, there's like what three teams with winning records? Minnesota. Um no, yeah, you take the you take the NFC East out of that that conference. You got Minnesota, you San have Francisco. Seattle and San Francisco. That's it. No one else has a winning record in the conference. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. And that's with Green Bay being terrible this year. <laughs> and I keep telling people, like, like, oh, the Steelers are bad. Look around the league, people. Two thirds of this league is abysmal. The Lions are about to be 500 if they beat the Jets on Sunday. The Lions are playing for a playoff spot. Like, what is going on? I don't know what's worse. The Lions possibly beating the Jets and being in contention for a playoff spot or the Lions and the Jets being the hardest game to pick in hot sheet. It's a pick em. It's a straight-up pick em. I don't know what's worse. I don't know what's worse. It's crazy. It's crazy to, to even – even verbalize the fact that the Jets Lions might be the hardest game to pick this week and playoff implications are on the line for both teams. You had the Lions to finish second in this division and it's looking very good right now. I also had him finishing second behind Green Bay. (laughs) Yeah, that I said Minnesota. Fully take it. You had Minnesota. (laughs) I had him finishing second. And I think I'm I think I had him falling short of a playoff spot though. Either falling short of the playoffs by or being like the seventh seed. You I had them think... not making the playoffs, but you had them second in the division. Yeah, I got I I thought that this team could be better because for some odd reason they play for Dan Gamble. So credit to them, but at the, at the end of the day, they're still Lions. So there's that. But they're they're playing very spirited football. They they try to play to win. I, I give them credit for that, if nothing else. The fighting kneecap biters are in every game they play. <laughs> 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 they will be that until Dan Campbell's gone. They will be the yeah. fighting kneecap biters until Dan Campbell's tenure is ended. Sorry. This is how it's going to be. Dude, I'm just looking at this list of our picks, and I had Tom Brady to win MVP. What was I thinking? <laughs> That's rough. Wow. You had Derek Carr as Offensive Player of the Year, though. So, Oh, my God. Who did I pick for MVP? Uh, Josh Allen, but his elbow injury kind of hurt you. Well, that's what happens when you let your running backs be your running backs, right? I'm gonna keep talking about this with Buffalo. I'm going to because they they've they've kind of they've kind of broken my heart. Buffalo was my AFC sweetheart for this season, but then they decided, oh yeah, running backs carrying the ball. Who needs it? No, they just let Allen run the ball 15 times a game and get his elbow hurt even more. It's the LeBron principle, man. You just you don't just send LeBron headlong into the paint every single time he has the ball or he's going to get hacked every time and they won't always call the foul because he's LeBron. Right. Can you tell I subconsciously don't want to talk about the Lakers? (laughs) Can you tell I don't want to talk about the Steelers? (laughs) I don't want to talk about Steelers. I want to talk about the Lakers. The Steelers are about to be Bruno after the Lakers. Steelers might be Bruno soon. The, the, the reason why they're not Bruno too, so don't worry. The, the only reason why the Steelers aren't Bruno is because I get paid to talk about the Steelers. Otherwise, the Steelers would be Bruno, mm-hmm. and we would not be talking about Bruno. But, <laughs> Speaking of know. talking about Bruno, Josh, this game against the Panthers on Sunday. Yes. Yes. Uh, 
it comes down to the run game for me. Can they stop it Chuba does. Hubbard and Deontay Foreman? Make yeah. make Sam Darnold beat you is going to be the way that I look at this game. Yeah, it, it, it comes on the heels of a game where they couldn't stop the run the entire day against Baltimore. I love how people were saying after the game, well, they couldn't get a stop in the fourth quarter. Folks, they couldn't get a stop in the run game in the first three quarters. The reason why they got stops in the first three quarters is because Baltimore was trying to throw the ball for some odd reason on third down. So the only reason why they got stops right. on third downs because it was either too long of a distance to try to get running the ball or they just couldn't get there throwing the ball. But then if it, if they were just a little bit short on third down, they'd go for it and run on fourth down anyway. It didn't matter. They just kept trying on their it own anyway. 35-yard line. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't care what fourth down and short was. Oh, we're just running, and it worked. Like they, they, could not, they could not contain the run for the first three quarters of the game. I talked about this when, when Baltimore had that ball in the last drive. And I'm like, oh, they couldn't stop the, the, that run there in the first three plays. I'm sitting there going, they ran the ball 35 or 36 times before that. And they had already run for 200 yards. What it, what, it was the 40th chop of the axe that felled the tree for you? The first 39 didn't matter? They, they struggled right. stopping the run the entire game. And now you look at this game where Deontay Foreman and, and both Chuba Hubbard, they're both averaging nearly four and a half a carry, and they've really done a great job running the ball the past couple weeks. So you look at it now and say, okay, well, you know, they ran for 223 against Seattle. They ran for 185 against Denver. Right. Denver is one of the best defenses in the league, and they ran for 185 against Denver. They ran for 232 against the Falcons, and they ran for 173 against Tampa. This is a this is a running game that can rack up yardage, and they can rack it up really fast. you got to be careful trying to contain these guys, especially coming off a game where you couldn't seem to seal things up against Baltimore, and it doesn't help. Now your, your depth at the defensive line is even worse because Chris Wormley's out for the season after knee surgery. So now it looks even worse now than it did before. Did they shut down TJ officially? I haven't seen anything about it. Okay, so TJ is playing on Sunday? I I would expect that he's playing. I mean, I, I'll double-check here, but I haven't seen anything to the contrary. I mean, I don't remember seeing anything, in about, him, anything about it on the injury report, at least, you know, that was season-ending. But we'll go through it real quick here. And he's not on the injury report as of this week, as of even as late as yesterday for Week 15. So I haven't seen anything to that degree. And honestly, it wouldn't bother me if we did, because at this point, you're only doing you're only doing TJ Watt a disservice by having him on the field after he was out for half the season with two different injuries. Then he comes back and suffers a third one. Like it's it's like the old joke. What do you tell a man with two black eyes? Nothing. He's already been told twice. And TJ might have been told three times. And I understand TJ Watt wants to play because if you're a football player and you're all but like mm -hmm. dead in your, or your brain isn't completely Swiss cheese, you want to play. And that's why Najee Harris played through that sprain Liz Frank. Cause you want to play. These guys want to play. They want to play hurt. They want to play, you know, probably severely injured, but if they can walk on two feet and run and, and a short burst, they're going to want to play. And I understand that's fine, but at the same time, you got to think long-term. You got to think down the road here. Now, I understand the Steelers aren't mathematically eliminated, and that's okay. If that's, if that's your reason, fine. But the moment you're mathematically eliminated, TJ, we love you. You're a warrior. Everyone knows this. 
You're a defensive player of the year. You're already, what, a several a, a, a handful of time All-Pro and half of time Pro Bowler. You're probably going to Canton. But for well, the rest of the season, year. shut <laughs> Yeah, for the rest of the season, shut it down. We need you 100% next year. I'd rather have 100% T.J. Watt in 2023 when you have better hope of trying to turn a season than a 50 to 60% T.J. Watt in 2022 when you're already 5-8. and eight. It just doesn't make any sense, but – from his perspective, I get it. And not to mention the fact you're, you're from, you know, you're from one of the football royalty families now. Right. So you, you can't, you almost don't want to show the perception of any kind of weakness. I understand that part, but at the same time, it does him, it does him no good. It does him a disservice to, a disservice to try to play these last four games. I really think it's, I think it's very not prudent. Agreed. Okay. Uh, quickly prediction who wins. This is the most dead air we've ever had on this podcast ever. Oh, we just we were lagging for like a good minute earlier, so I I, I got it when I go back and edit it, we'll see how bad that got. But oh man, it, uh, <laughs> yeah. I if I, I if I add it all up, if I add it all up here, thing. here's the weird part. We're trying to figure out what makes more sense between Mitchell Trubisky and Mason Rudolph if Katie Pickett can't play. And the Steelers quarterback position situation is still better than what the Panthers situation has been all season, (laughs) which is strange. We're talking about whether the Steelers can stop the Panthers running game and they've already traded Christian McCaffrey. (laughs) I don't know what the hell to think about this game. Because Deontay Foreman has kind of just like come out of nowhere after they traded McCaffrey and has been a beast for them. It, I have no idea what to think about this game. It, it's going to come down to two things. One, can the Steelers' offense not shoot themselves in the foot again? Because let's be honest here. When the Steelers turn the ball over, they're 0-7. When they don't, they're 5-1. and Can they actually get through 60 minutes without making enough mistakes to handcuff themselves. Notice I didn't say the offensive coordinator. Notice I didn't say the head coach. Can the offense, can the quarterback, whoever it is, the running back, whoever's back there, the offensive line, whoever's up front blocking, and whoever they spin the wheel and play receiver with, whoever's on that field, can that 11 guys at any given time on the field be the team that's sharper than the guys across from them? If they can do that the majority of this game, then I like them. And I'm wonder, I can't remember what the line is on this game. Two and a half. Two and a half Steelers? Carolina. Two and a half Carolina, in which case, Steelers on the road in this one? Yeah, I'll take the Steelers definitely now. Just because Carolina is a two and a half point favorite. And that makes no sense to me. <laughs> so this game should probably be a pick em, like the Lions and Jets for that matter. Because I don't freaking know. But for the sake of the Steelers being a two and a half point dog, against another 5-8 and eight team that can't figure out its quarterback situation, I'll go with the Steelers just because. Okay. I think, I think the Steelers win. I think the Steelers win the game 20-17. to 17. And it's going to be because pick, I, think, I think they take some shots to Pickens and the Panthers' defense isn't going to be as good as Baltimore's is. And I think he'll be able to get open more. And I think he'll get a touchdown. This is one of those times where if you're going to try to exploit a defense, 
this is a, as good of a time as any. I mean, this run offense is better. They're 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 19th in the league in rushing yards. They're 13th in attempts. They're but they're 21st in yards per attempt on offense. Like they're trying to do what they can in the run game, and they're trying to turn that around. And they're facing a defense in Carolina that's 24th against the run. They give up four and a half yards a carry. So if this is if there's a game where the run game is going to be a priority and should be a priority, it's, it's this one. Yeah. It's got to be this one. And you got to go back to what I've been saying that they should do all season. And I'm going to say this again. If people are going to get tired of me, and I don't care because it's it's still cha- it's it's still it still holds water. They're going to have to play defense, run the football, and not turn it over. That's the thing that works for them when they win games now. So running the football has to be part of that equation. You can't leave that part out. And you also can't turn the ball over. I don't care if it's Kenny Pickett at quarterback. I don't care if it's Mason Rudolph. I don't care if it's Mitch Trubisky. You can't turn the ball over. If there's anything that I feel bad about that game last week is that Kenny Pickett left in the first quarter because he was on a run where he wasn't turning the ball over. He was being smarter with the ball. He was making better decisions. He was fixing mistakes that he had made earlier in the season. And he was growing in the way that you want to see him grow. Granted, it was in small increments, but he was getting noticeably better, both by the eye test and statistically. He was doing all the small things right, and you were seeing improvements in the offense. And over those four games, they went three and one. And they were also running the football, which helped too. And running the football helps the quarterback in this offense do his job. That has to be a priority. Okay. Uh, let's do let's do hot sheet off the air. We're gonna we're gonna wrap this one up for this week. And uh, we'll talk again next week. Hopefully we talk about a win. And, you know, hopefully they can get to, get to a point where they can finish the season on a high note with last couple of games left. But that'll do it for us. You've been listening to the Sunday Morning Grind podcast brought to you by Ethos Life. For Josh Taylor, I'm Greg Finley. Talk to you next week.